Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, Senate Bill 2145 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop Senate Bill 2145. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. What's up on a Wednesday? This week is flying by, and and I hope these next two days go by quickly. Although, Friday's edition of this is going to be obsolete pretty quickly. Mississippi State getting started at 2 o'clock on Friday. Uh, But this week's flying by, and I hope these uh, next couple days uh, also do the same. Welcome in. I'm Michael Borky. Glad that you are with me as you always are on uh, on the show, on the live stream this morning. I'm going to be talking today with you today about a couple of things. First of all, confidence. How confident are you in your team this weekend? How confident should you be in your team this weekend? Also, uh, Arch Manning recruiting content. I'm going to talk about that. There was a piece yesterday, interesting piece yesterday, um, and I can't stand it. So we'll get to that here in a little bit as well. But I do want to start with this, actually. I don't know if you guys saw this video last night. And if you're listening in podcast form, forgive me. I'll try to describe it to you as it happens. But this is, um, we had another example of fans just losing their mind. I don't know what's going on lately in sports. Where now that fans are back, everybody's going crazy. I mean, on a nightly basis, we're getting something that like wouldn't happen all year long. So in basketball, you had Russell Westbrook get popcorn poured on him. Trey Young literally spit on and uh, they they caught the guys, so that wasn't a made-up story. Like, that definitely happened. Kyrie Irving get a bottle thrown at him. John Morant's family was harassed in Utah. Like, the bat, there was a fan that ran on the court and jumped and touched the backboard the other night. That's just in basketball, and that's over, like, a week span. And then in baseball, yeah, everybody's losing their – I mean, there's there's fights in the stands and all kinds of stuff going on. Well, one guy last night had enough of it. You had a guy running on the field – uh, this is in Colorado last night, and a fan has had enough of that. So let me show this. Uh, let me show this to you. Um, all right, here we go. I think you guys can see this, right? There's going to be no audio associated with it, sadly, but I think you guys can see this. Check this out. This guy has had enough of fans acting stupid. Watch this video. Guy streaking. Boom! Form tackle. Sit down, and you think it's like a security guard or something? No, watch. It's a kid. <laughs> He's just had enough. He's, I mean, form tackle. So if you're listening in podcast form, a uh, a guy was running on the field. He jumped the the wall to run up the stands, and he got absolutely like perfection form tackled by what looks like a 16 year old kid. Maybe he's a little bit older. He looks young though. And just absolutely form tackled this guy and uh, security got him and escorted him out of the stadium. I mean, he's got head on the side. You know, he brings his arms perfectly executed, tackling through the ball carrier. And and, uh, this moron that was running on the field uh, got punished for that. I'm just going to watch this one more time because this is just hilarious to me. 
boom. And what, what bothers me, though, about this is the crowd, nobody's pumped up. Like, if I were sitting right there, I'd be high-fiving this kid and, like, let's go. Get that moron off the field. It looks like somebody um, is trying to tell him where his hat is, but that's the only interaction he had with people. You should be standing up high-fiving this kid. Get this moron off the field, and maybe if more fans tackled him like that, uh, they wouldn't do that. Now, because uh, I know how stuff works anymore, um, this poor kid's probably going to get sued and successfully sued because that's where we are now. Um, but that kid paid. I I don't know how old the guy running on the field is. He's He looks older than the guy that made the tackle. But that guy ran on the field and finally got punished for it last night, publicly got smoked. And um, I know this sounds bad, but uh, hopefully it's feeling a little bit of pain this morning. What is wrong with i mean what has happened to people this this is insane it's every night you've got a fan taking the field bottles getting thrown and like the Kyrie Irving thing um the, the guys getting charged with like assault with a dangerous weapon or something like that because he threw a bottle an empty bottle not a beer bottle not a glass bottle an empty bottle at uh Kyrie Irving's face. Um, that seems a little excessive. Maybe it's a de-incentivization tactic, I guess. Um, but ban him from the arena. Make him spend a, a night in jail or whatever. Uh, but assault with a dangerous weapon. I, I mean, I mean, come on now. Uh, but everybody's losing their minds. It's crazy. I do. I listened to the beginning of Pardon My Take, the Barstool podcast yesterday, and they absolutely nailed it, though. You've seen some people say things like, well, now we're learning that sports is better without fans and stuff like that, or um, making fun of the people that were mad that Kyrie Irving stepped on the Celtics logo. And like they said, and I'm just kind of parroting what they said because it was actually brilliant. I mean, Part of my take is is funny and stuff like that, but sometimes they say really insightful stuff. So if you haven't listened to it, I'd encourage you to do so because they nailed it. Making fun, as a sports media person, making fun of fans for not liking when a player deliberately stomps on your logo, that, that just means you don't understand who your your viewers, your listeners, your readers are. And being condescending towards those people is really that's just bad business. It's really stupid, and it shows that you don't understand what it feels like as a fan. And Mississippi State fan, for example, let's just pretend. Let's just pretend that Ole Miss wins the Egg Bowl this year. Ole Miss wins the Egg Bowl, and Matt Corral waits till the players are really they're leaving the field, and he goes up to the logo on the fifty and stomps on it. How would that make you feel? I would hope it would make you mad because you're a fan and and that logo means something to you. That that's what people in in my position although I'm I'm a nobody, right? I'm I'm literally a nobody. Uh but people that work in sports media that cover it at, at a national level or or in big markets um will mock the Celtics fans for being mad that Kyrie did that. And you are completely just removed from what makes sports great. People irrationally, it's irrational. It doesn't make sense. But people put in their their time, their money, 
their emotional investment, their lives around these teams. And that cartoon man on the court means something to these people. And it may not make sense to you, but that is the that's what makes sports great. And that's what keeps people like us employed because of people like you, that if Matt Corral were to do that to the 50 or if roles were reversed, if Jaden Wally scores a touchdown and stomps on the old Miss logo, it should make you mad because you're irrational. Why, why does a player stepping on a, a cartoon man on a wooden floor bother you? Because you're irrational. Sports fans are irrational. That's what makes us so awesome to me. Anyway, so I've seen a lot of criticism of fans lately. And um, even some people saying that we're now learning that sports will be better off without them. And those people are are insane. Uh, That's who keeps you employed. So let's. um, Anyway, anyway, but what a tackle, right? I mean, (laughs) what a tackle. Uh, Good, good, because you shouldn't run on a field. You shouldn't throw bottles at players. You shouldn't do anything like that. But sports are better with fans. Uh, always. Always. Heck of a tackle, though. Good for that kid. All right, let's get to some of your messages. Morning, JP. He said, Michael, I'd like uh, to cash one of my no-show rain checks if we end up with a Rebel Eagles winner's bracket on Saturday. A stream that morning or postgame or both to discuss pregame strategy. I've thought about incorporating this more. I'm going to in the football season for sure. Um, doing more of these, not just in the morning. Um, I'm going to redesign a couple of overlays too, even to use them as like reaction stuff. Um, if news breaks or whatever, just fire up and go live, right? Um, after football games, or, or I may even, shit, I may even do, forgive my language, uh, may even do a, a pregame show on Saturdays because why not, right? I mean, this is free. It doesn't cost anything. Well, it cost me something. I'm paying for softwares and stuff like that out of my own pocket, but it's not a whole lot. So why not do it? Why not do it post game? Um, I think I'm going to. And I don't think there's a reason not to. And uh, maybe uh, one day I can get a sponsor to slap their name on it and uh, you know have the work mean something other than connecting with you guys, which I love to do. I love the practice. Um expanding my reach and abilities and whatnot, but there's no reason for me not to do that. So I think I'm going to. Um, you know, it just uh, also, you know, I've, I've got a, a young child, so sometimes I won't, like this weekend, I don't know if if I'll be able to, uh, you know, stream after every game. Uh, my poor wife goes through enough with me, so uh, I've got to help her as best I can uh, with the little guy, especially on weekends, but it's something I'm going to do a lot more, not just in the morning. I, why not? What can it hurt? And hopefully you guys keep listening and stuff and, and get a consistent audience where I can sell this thing. Hopefully I can do that. That would be great. Uh, well, we will see. Will says, I saw that today marks four years of good things. Does that mean it's been four years since you were with Sports Talk full-time? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. They uh, they moved me over then, so I was um, I started at Super Talk in sales, and then not shortly there, and I, I always wanted to be on air. It was just my foot in the door, uh, 
And they knew that right away. That that was the best part about them is they understood. I mean, they they interviewed me, of course, for a sales job, but they asked what I, I wanted in my future. And I told them and they were like, yeah, we see that. And uh, credit to them, they quickly made that my reality. And so I, I did a lot of digital stuff, podcasting, um, was with uh, was with Matt on a on a one hour show. You know, was editing News Mississippi and stuff. I did stuff like that until uh, yeah, about it's been four years now, give or take, uh, since I was with Head to Head at first, of course, and um, and now with with Sports Talk. Uh, the producer t- title is one I can't stand, considering how our setup actually is, but. Um, Anyway, that is not important. But yeah, man, it's uh, it's been that long. A lot has changed since the day I, I took over versus now in uh, in my life. A lot has changed. I've also probably gained about 15 pounds, too. So <laughs> uh, we get a message 14 from JP. 14 years ago, the Rebels and Golden Eagles last met on the postseason. William, I don't know why your comment didn't display, by the way. I tried to. It just it didn't pop up. I don't know. Sorry. I was not ignoring that, I swear. Um, a winner's bracket game at Swayze in front of a disappointing by today's attendance numbers announced crowd of 7,106. Yeah, if that happens on Saturday, it would be almost double that. Uh, Lance Lynn threw a complete game two-hitter and a 4 nothing win for Ole Miss, a game that featured Cozart and Dozer. My gosh, talent on that field, right? Standing room only down the lines where I stood has since been renovated to actual seating. My uh, second trip to Swayze after attending the Miami Ole Miss prior to the season. Are you going to go this weekend? I won't. I, I can't go. Uh, I will not be there. But um, are you going to be there? Tickets will not be on sale um, until afternoon today, I think, is when the general public can start buying them. I know that Southern Miss gets an allotment, of course. Um I don't know like what your status is with Southern Miss. So if you're not one of the uh, the the people that gets through the school, uh, I think it's 500, right? Uh, then they will go on sale publicly today. And I think Mississippi State setup is similar. Although Friday, uh, because of Chris Lamonis' decision, and, and like I said on the radio yesterday, I think I talked with you guys about this yesterday some as well. Chris Lamonis has one job. That's it. One job, and it's not to do what's best for the fans. His job is to do what's best for his baseball team and do what's best to win the regional. That's Chris Lamonis's job. So I, I hope me saying this does not come off as like as critical because he should do only one thing, and it's to win the regional the best way he knows how. And he's not the only coach that has chosen to play the early game on Friday. Um, I just I am disappointed for some Mississippi State fans who will not be able to go or are inconvenienced because of the early start time on Friday. Uh, I, I just um, not everybody can take a day off of work, and even those that can, it's still quite an inconvenience uh, to to take a day off to go to a two o'clock baseball game on a Friday. That, that's just not possible for everybody, and so Friday's atmosphere is likely not going to be as good as it could be because of the early start time. So I'm disappointed, you know, through you guys, and we heard from some of you on the, the show yesterday, um, that that can't go because of that. I don't know how many there are. I'm sure there's still going to be a great crowd and the girls are going to be fired up and the students are going to be out there and stuff like that. But 
um, based on our limited sample size we got yesterday, not everybody is going to be able to go. And uh, that that does stink. Um, that uh, that really does stink. So how confident are you? That's the question today. How confident are you in your team winning this weekend? I promise you the reason why I bring this up is um, nobody is as confident in their team. Uh, well, I say nobody. But uh, this fella right here is um, – he's feeling it, which I, I respect this, honestly. He's feeling it. So uh, let me show you what I'm talking about. This guy, Eric Sean is his name, if you're listening in podcast form. Eric here uh, is the play-by-play broadcaster for SEMO. He does football, basketball, and baseball, according to his bio as you can see right there, for uh, for SEMO. And here's what he said. If UT Martin can beat Ole Miss in a midweek game, then certainly SEMO can beat them in a regional game with all OVC Pitcher of the Year Dylan Dodd on the mound. Get your popcorn ready Friday, 7 p.m. I, res- I Honestly, I respect this. I do. Uh, because if you're not going to believe in yourselves, who's going to believe in you? And he's not wrong. It's entirely possible Ole Miss loses on Friday night. It's possible. Number one, it's baseball. And two, like he said, Simo's pitching a pretty good pitcher. Mississippi State doesn't really have to worry about the the kind of arm that Ole Miss is going to see, at least in game one. They don't have to worry about it. But there's a major flaw in this dude's logic here. (laughs) Um, You know what? I'm actually going to look it up. I should have earlier. But um, insinuating that uh, Ole Miss, for example, uh, gave it their best when they faced UT Martin earlier this season, is uh, it's kind of funny. Here's who Ole Miss pitched that day. Josh Mallets, Cody Adcock, Brandon Johnson, Tyler Myers, Austin Miller, and Wes Burton. All the runs were basically scored against two guys that uh, Simo will not be seeing at all uh, on Friday. Ole Miss did a Johnny Holstaff thing with a bunch of midweek arms. Not quite the same as, at worst, Derek Diamond, who just last week held Vanderbilt in check. With all due respect to to Eric, uh, Mr. Eric here, midweek games are not created the same as weekend games. There's just a, a little bit of a difference between a Tuesday night sandwiched in between two SEC series and a Friday night in front of 12,000 people and a much different arm on the mound. I mean, again, at worst, Ole Miss is going to go diamond, Broadway or Diamond Johnson Broadway, a little bit different than Mallets and Austin Miller and who is he? I I forget all the other ones, but little, little bit different uh, of a situation. But I respect the the belief in his team, and he should. I mean, hell, they won their conference pitching a good guy on Friday night. They can, absolutely, they can beat Ole Miss. But using the or a midweek game as your justification 
Um, you know, maybe uh, maybe log off Twitter.com for that one. But, that, you know, hey, that's just me. If you're not going to believe in your team, who should? Brian, you're right. He said Eric takes a slightly different approach than John Cox, Jim Ellis, and David Kellum. <laughs> Uh, he's a bit younger, so maybe that uh, that factors into it some. But um, how confident are you in, in your team? I, I, when I look at these two, and I've noticed kind of a, a vibe from the two fan bases, uh, Mississippi State fans generally are always confident in their baseball team. I have n- I, I've rarely, if ever, heard from a State fan that does not believe their team is going to win every game they play. I mean, th- there is zero hesitation in, you think you're going to win the regional? Oh, hell yeah, we are. I mean, that's the first reaction. Even though last week in Hoover they played like crap, and two weeks ago they lost to Missouri, the, the confidence that I, that I hear from state fans is, is apparent. You guys expect to win the regional. I think you're going to with relative ease, honestly. Um, I think you should be as confident as I've heard from most of you. I think you should be as confident as you are in your team winning this regional. You're better than the three opponents as you – you should be. Of course you are. Um, and despite not playing well in Hoover, I, I mean, part of me wants to give them a pass. In game one in Hoover, let's just say they didn't put their best foot forward. I mean, you got you guys know that. They didn't put their best foot forward. And in game two, although they did get run ruled with McLeod, Bedner, and Sims, which, you know, red flag waving and ears perking up, stuff like that. Um Campbell and VCU and Samford are not Tennessee. So um, it's just not the same. But I'm fully confident. I I would – any other result besides Mississippi State winning this regional, I would be genuinely shocked by. On the flip side, hearing from from Ole Miss fans, um, it's kind of a mixed bag. I mean, Hoover really kind of inspired some people to to think the you know that this team is different. But I've gotten a lot of texts and and heard from people that are afraid of Southern Miss. Uh, I even had a buddy that said that nothing will make him angrier than watching Southern Miss dogpile at Swayze Field as they go to a super regional. <laughs> I mean, there is there is the fear of Semo's Friday night guy. It's uh, it's a little less confident. That I've heard from Ole Miss people, and the regional is tougher. We've talked about it for three days now. I'm not going to dive into that again. Um, although there are still people that are trying to convince me and anybody that uh, that states is more difficult. It's just kind of silly, but um, it's more of a mixed bag for from Ole Miss fans, I think. But what can't happen? Here's a, a little pep talk for for a fan if you're listening. What can't happen is the environment that happened when Ole Miss was playing Tennessee Tech. That, that can't happen again because while I, I guess the fans, you know, what they expected to happen happened, so maybe they were right in their feeling. But if you look back a few years ago and remember the, the tone, the energy in the crowd that day, no wonder the team lost. And... Uh, <laughs> This sounds silly, right? Because what matters is how the team plays. The crowd shouldn't impact anything at all, but it does. I mean, you guys know this. That's why you want to play your regionals at home because you have an advantage and uh, fans can be a, a driving force behind success. Home field advantage is a real thing. This past year in the NFL, 
home field mattered as far as wins and losses, the least in the history of the league. Road teams won more this past season in the NFL than they ever have before. No fans. I think there's a direct correlation. I, I really do. You can't have that energy that you had during the Tennessee Tech series. You can't. There's such a, a huge difference to me in the way it feels at Duty Noble versus the way it feels at Swayze. Crowds are generally the same size. General. I mean, you know, state can put an extra maybe thousand people, but generally it's twelve to thirteen thousand people. What you can't do is hang on every pitch, every single pitch in the Tennessee Tech series. If a guy struck out, it was. I mean, you could see the people sitting behind home plate. Some of them, anyway. Not everybody, of course, but. The way people were acting and, and hanging on every single pitch, it was so negative. And it's it's like, forgive my language, please. It was just like, oh, shit, here we go again. That feeds into the team, I promise you. I know it does. It feeds into the team. If you are not confident, if you're afraid or have high respect, as JP is correcting me, um, if you're afraid of Southern Miss, if you're afraid of SEMO, that's fine. But don't act like it because I, I just I remember the feeling in the stadium when Ole Miss played Tennessee Tech. Everybody there thought they were going to lose. And I promise you that energy spilled onto the field. I promise you it did. Go into it. Ha- go into it expecting to win. And as long as there's a strike left, believing that you're going to. That's what they do in Starkville. That's just the truth. I I mean, people won't like that comparison, but I'm just being honest. That's what happens in Starkville. That's what happens. Does not happen in Oxford that way. If there's a strike left, your team's going to win. That's how you need to approach it. That's just me. I I mean, forgive me for being preachy to fans. It's not really my job, but there was a vibe that weekend in Oxford, that you've never felt in Starkville to me. So, last thing for you, uh, and and this is something that if you follow me on Twitter, I've got to be quick with this. If you follow me on Twitter, uh, you have seen that I have started a campaign against reading Arch Manning recruiting content. I will end that campaign when this football season ends, but um, I have, I've honestly, I've discouraged people, most specifically Ole Miss fans, to, to not read Arch Manning recruiting content. And, and for multiple reasons. Number one, because he hasn't played his junior season yet. And in my opinion, you should not cover recruiting until the guy is done with at least his junior season. I, especially because I remember where I was mentally and in life, when I was a sophomore, even when I was a junior in high school, I had considered college. I knew I was going to go to college that I wanted to, but I hadn't made that decision yet. I, I had no idea where I wanted to go. Uh, you know, I, I was just, I was too busy wanting to run around with my friends and play football and be a kid. And, and so, one, I, I don't think we should cover recruiting. I think there, there should be a rule against it. This is a little extreme, but there should be a rule against recruiting reporters and coaches contacting people until their junior year of high school. The the stories that I've heard and some that I've seen with my own eyes 
where a sophomore in high school, a 16-year-old kid, is getting phone call after phone call after phone call and text message and direct message from coaches and also media players or media members pretending to be these kids' friends, adult men sliding into a 16-year-old's direct messages and, and all that stuff. I think at some point we need to let a kid be a kid and not let a kid get hounded by coaches and reporters all day long. So it, if I worked at the NCAA, I would ban recruiting conversations happening pre-junior year of high school. That's what I would do. Because a 15-year-old kid, a ninth grader, a 10th grader getting flooded with messages and phone calls from college coaches and adult men reporters I don't like, and I wish that would change. So, number one, a kid that hasn't played a junior year of high school yet likely doesn't know where he's going, so it's all conjecture and stuff like that. Also, why you shouldn't click on Arch Manning recruiting content, it is usually going to be written with some kind of bias. In fact, it is almost always going to be written with some kind of bias involved. I hate recruiting coverage mostly. Not everybody approaches their job this way. There are some people that cover recruiting that have no biases and that just do an honest job and tell their viewers or listeners the truth. There are some people that cover recruiting that do that. Most of them don't. So if you're reading a recruiting piece from a guy that covers X school about Arch Manning, it's going to be biased. It is going to be. A lot of it comes from Louisiana, and guess guess what? There's some bias involved there. I saw a TV reporter based in Louisiana do a, a piece on Arch Manning. It wasn't too terribly long ago, and he guessed at what Arch's top five was. So it wasn't, here's what this kid told me his top schools were. It was, here's my guess at what his top schools were, and LSU was number one. So what's going to happen if he doesn't go to LSU? LSU fans are going to think, oh, something nefarious happened because this joker on TV told me a few weeks ago or a few months ago that LSU was his number one, even though the guy admitted out loud that he he made it up. He just manufactured this top five out of nowhere for a kid that's not even on the back half of his high school career yet. That's why I don't like it. That's why I encourage you not to click on it. It's too early. He hasn't taken a single official visit yet. I mean, he spent his whole life going to Oxford, so he's probably familiar with Ole Miss, and I'm sure he's very familiar with LSU. But apparently, he wants to go spend time with Virginia. Good. He should. He should visit every school in America if he wants to. But the process hasn't even begun yet, really. And been able to take official visits for over a year. The process is just beginning. There's no favorite right now. They have no idea. He has no idea. They haven't decided yet. And until they do, the only content you're going to get is going to be conjecture. It's going to be biased. It is going to be slanted. It's going to be intentionally missing information. Like I I read the piece in The Athletic yesterday. I tell people not to click on it, and I fell victim to something that I'm telling people. Don't click on it. I did. Um. And it it was a nice layout of of what's coming, but there were some things that were written about other schools that were not written about LSU where there's bias. I I mean, the example in particular was about Lane Kiffin and his leaving Tennessee 12 years ago and how he did that and his lifestyle. 
They didn't mention anything currently going on at LSU. NCAA investigations, Title IX investigations, allegedly covering up assault. None of that was even mentioned. The NCAA still has LSU in their crosshairs, and none of that was even mentioned. Whether it was intentional or not, that's why I'm encouraging people to not read it. I have no idea where the kid's going to go. Honestly, I don't really care right now, but I get so many questions about it. Is he going to go to Ole Miss? I don't know. Maybe. It's possible. Maybe not. I don't know. Will he go to LSU? Maybe. Maybe not. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And like I said, it's either biased, whether intentional or not, or completely manufactured garbage, because that's what most of recruiting coverage is. So I guess what I'm saying is, for your health and mine, don't click on it, because it's not going to tell you anything. It's just not It's not going to tell you anything. So, One last text, JP says, uh, no doubt that energy is contagious if people don't believe that. Well, they just haven't been to enough live games. Pete Taylor Park magic is alive and real. Um, 99 days until the NFL season kicks off. 99 days. Heck yeah. And we've still got important sports around here being played. And I didn't even get to talk about NBA playoffs last night. Dame Lillard's incredible. And people are now calling him for or calling for him to be traded because Teams that don't win a title just don't deserve to have good players, apparently. I hope he stays in Portland forever, and that makes everybody at ESPN mad. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. I have got to run. I am out of time uh, this morning. But thank you for tuning in. Always appreciate you guys. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Find me on YouTube at Michael Borky. Uh, Leave a rating and a review on the podcast if you don't mind. So much more baseball to get to, and uh, so little time to do it. Just two days away. So y'all have a great rest of your day. I'll see you on the radio this afternoon or tomorrow morning. Y'all have a good one. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.